Hey, good morning and welcome to Church Online. At North Park, we love to say that when you logged on, you made our day. I want to remind you that you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and there you can log on and search for North Park Church under live events. When you select that, you'll find all the scriptures and helpful sermon notes for today's message. And so if you have your Bible today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And I think once you get there, you'll recognize this is a familiar passage. So join me in Exodus as we continue our series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Today we're going to talk about rest. Now, sometimes pastors get up and say things like, well, you know, I've struggled with this this week or, or this has been tough for me. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. Uh, we decided in the midst of all that's been difficult in the world to have another child and her name is Brooke and she was born on May 2nd. And right now we are in this cute little newborn phase. So we have three boys that are 12, 10, and six, and they have been phenomenal. Um, family has come to visit um, and we've had all sorts of help during the day. During the day, people love to hold a baby. And the thing about this baby is she sleeps during the day and she's cute and she's cuddly and everybody loves it. But something happens between midnight and 6 a.m. where there's really no one else around besides Ashley and I. And sometimes I fall asleep and don't wake back up. Um, and it's that middle of the night, changing a diaper, getting a pacifier, the baby needs to be fed, the baby needs to be burped. And there's a level of exhaustion that I forgot existed, right? There's been times where I didn't, I didn't get enough sleep, but these are those moments where you're constantly waking up in the middle of the night and you're just tired. Uh, maybe you're that level of tired, or maybe you would say, well, I'm not, I'm sleeping great. All my kids are grown, they're moved out of the house, or I get eight hours, or I get 10 hours of sleep. But when we talk about rest today, we're kind of talking about a, a deeper level of rest. Before we get to Exodus, I want to read Psalm 3, and this is by King David, and I'm sure you've heard this before. It's, it's even a part of a song that people sing, and it says, Lord, how many are my foes or enemies? Many are they that rise up against me. He says, all right, I've got a lot of people that are not just enemies like they don't want to see me do well. These people are trying to kill David, and he says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I lay down and I sleep. Now, here's what's interesting. David is saying there are people outside that want to, to kill me. They want to end my life, but I'm going to go ahead and lay down and go to sleep. Now, think about this. And if you literally had people that were wanting to end your life, it would be very difficult, impossible. People would probably think you were crazy for you to lay down and go to sleep. But David had this, this rest that he was able to to sleep. Now, this is an incredible thing, but I want to ask you a question. It may be hard for you to rest right now. You may lay down, you may close your eyes, you may fall asleep, but are you really, truly resting? Anybody can lie down, anybody can rest, but your faith is really tested, and this is true for all of us, when you're facing an extremely difficult situation and you still find it possible to have rest. Think about this. When you're in a position of great stress or danger, is your faith working? It's one thing to say, I believe that God is with me. I trust that God has this situation covered. But can you truly rest? Is your soul at rest? Do you have that kind of rest that David has? And if you say, no, don't feel bad. We all struggle in this. We're going to look today 
in Exodus at the Sabbath and see why this rest um, is important, but also how is this rest available to us? So let's look in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. A couple words here. Remember means to recollect. So think about, um, you know, right now I have young kids, so, so Legos just go everywhere. And then there's a time where we have to recollect and we have to pull them back. But it also means, and to put into practice. So it's kind of this idea of, all right, let's get everything back together and let's put it in the proper place that it should be. The next thing is Sabbath. Well, you know this one probably. Cease. Stop work. Cease and stop work. Now you may think, well, why would anybody have to tell somebody to stop working? Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute because not only was it a struggle for these people but it's a struggle for us as well. And holy, sometimes we think of holy in just this moral sense. Holy is any time, it means to make something separate. So when we say that we're holy or we're trying to pursue a life that's holy, it's, it's I'm setting my, my life aside to be separate. Um, there were instruments and, and, and furniture in the temple that was to be holy. Well, it doesn't have a moral value, but it was set apart for a specific purpose. And so this is saying that we're supposed to cease working. We're supposed to remember, recollect, okay, and set it apart for a specific purpose. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, this is a big contrast for people that have been slaves their entire lives. They worked every single day. In fact, we'll see in a moment that most every culture didn't really have the idea of a weekend, that the idea of a weekend and time off is, is really something from the Jewish faith. So everybody loves a weekend or whatever your day may be. But in this time, in this culture, these people have been slaves. And so if you didn't work, not only did you not eat, you were beaten um, your, your, your life was threatened every single day. And so to be in that rhythm of your parents and your grandparents and now you and your children, and then all of a sudden to be told you're going to work six days and you're going to stop, automatically questions would come, well, well what's really going to happen to us and who's going to feed us and where's this food going to come from and what if it doesn't work and maybe it works this time, but what about the next time? Now here's what Sabbath did. Sabbath was not known. There was no parallel we know in history to this idea of stopping and resting. All right. Slaves worked every day. Um, there wasn't this set aside time to, to stop labor. So they would stop. But the Sabbath would begin with sundown on Friday. So the Israelites or God's people are, are, are working. They're doing their thing. And then sundown on Friday and it ends sundown on Saturday and they would cease from work. And here's what the scripture says. On it, you shall do. You should not do any work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servants, or your animals, or any foreigner residing in your towns. Now, why is that important? Because God says, I don't want you to work. And he knew how we think. He knew we would look for a loophole. And we'd say, well, I'm not doing it, but I delegated it to this person, this person who's not Jewish, who doesn't follow the laws of God. Let them do the work. Or this animal isn't a person, and so they, they could do... But what God knew is, is they, were, they were still delegating. They were still doing a form of work. And also God was offering rest to all people, to all the creation, to give them a rest as well. And so God was saying, no, and here's the big issue. If somebody wasn't working, if they didn't have somebody doing something for them, it would be even more important for them to trust in God. They were trusting in their ability to produce and create 
So if they could delegate, they could still feel like they had sense of control. This is completely laying down that sense of control. Verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. To me, that's, that's kind of funny. I don't know that it's meant to be humorous, but, but they're thinking, well, I have a pretty important job. Okay, I've, I have to do this or these people depend on me. And God says, yeah, you know, I made creation in six days. I think you can rest. All right. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Remember, holy again is to set apart. Now, there's a theme here, a creation theme in Exodus. And here's something important. Everything enjoys God's rest that is under his rule. Let me say it again. Everything enjoys God's rest that is under his rule. And in creation in Genesis, we see when God originally created everything, it was under his rule everything rested. There was rest in the land. There was rest in the hearts and souls of people. There was rest in, for everyone. But what happens is we see that in the beginning, they experienced this rest. But when Adam and Eve decided to live their own life, their own way, what did they lose? They lost that rest and that peace. So unless you are, and you do not enjoy God's rest, unless you enjoy God's rule. So why did these people practice Sabbath? Why was it important for them? And, and today people will bring it up and say, well, we don't have to follow these particular laws, but we never see scripture have a negative view. The Pharisees would manipulate it and use it, but, but Jesus continued to, to find times and places to rest. And there's something about us, we need that rhythm to rest. What's the big deal? Well, the practical reason was your body needs rest. All right. Now, in, in their time, especially, you had to work absolutely for everything all the time. And so their bodies were exhausted. For you and I, maybe we're able to rest when we get home. But, but still, physically, many of us don't get enough sleep or enough rest. But here's the part that I think we miss out on the most. There's a spiritual reason. You need to refocus. You need to rest from your task. And here's the thing. If you're laying on the couch and you got your phone in your hand, and you're scrolling, and you're thinking, or you're checking email, you may physically be resting, but spiritually you are distracted, mentally you are stressed, you are not at rest. So what, what is it? God wanted them to be less productive than they could be. Now think about that for a moment, because we're always like, oh, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ. He wants this to grow. He wants this to prosper. He wants this. But here's the thing. God chose for them to be less productive than he could be. They could have gotten more work done practically had they continued to work every day. But here's the idea is that God wanted them to trust that he would make up the difference. God wanted these people who had worked every day that didn't understand this and said, listen, you're going to rest. You're not going to do anything and I'm going to provide. He was teaching them to trust. And the same is true for us. Sometimes we get so prideful as to think all of this depends on us. Yes, we need to work. Yes, we need to do these things. But when we get the idea that it all depends on us, that's a terrible, frightening, stressful way to live. It makes us bitter. It makes us angry. It makes us paranoid. Think about this. Scientists say that it's not so much always the length of your sleep, but the depth of your sleep that brings about and restores and then brings about strength. So it's not always the length. You might have laid in the bed for 12 hours. But what was the depth? And they actually measure how deep your sleep was. It's a pretty big deal, right? 
But all of these things and none of these things really show the deep rest that our soul needs. And so the Sabbath, yes, is practical. Your body needs physical rest. Your mind needs mental rest. You need to trust. But there's also a rest that, that just sleeping doesn't give. It's the rest of our soul. And Scripture says that Jesus provided the ultimate rest. So I want to just give you two things in two ways that Jesus helped us to rest. All right. The first one is we have to learn to rest from hiding our sins. We have to learn to rest from hiding our sins. Look at Romans chapter 2. You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do these same things. Think about this. Imagine if God placed a, a tape recorder around your neck, okay? And anytime you were talking to someone else and said, well, you know what? I can't believe so-and-so would do this or they should never do this. I would never do that. And then when you would say that statement, that tape recorder would click on and record you saying, I would never, or I can't believe they, and it would record. And then imagine if when you died, you stood before God and he said, you know what? I'm only gonna judge you based on how you judged other people. And he would play back the recording and then look at your life. I don't know about you, but even for me, many times I judge people on a standard that I can't even live by. And we do this to hide and justify and kind of build up our own self-worth. And here's the thing. Jesus provides a rest for our souls where we can be honest with God and honest with ourselves about our sin. We repent. We rest in our souls. But we also rest from this idea of policing and looking at other people. I'm not saying that we no longer say, well, this is sinful or this is wrong or we don't pray for people. But this idea of hiding our sin and projecting other people's sin, we need to rest from that. The second one is this. We have to rest from striving and, and proving our worth. Okay. So the first one is we have to stop hiding our sin. Many times we're, we're kind of hunting out other people's sin because we're not admitting our own. And again, because we're online, because I can't have a conversation with you, I want to be clear that when I say that we can't uh, that, that we're constantly pointing out other people's sin, it's not to say that we as the church or we through scripture or the body of Christ or as parents or as spouses don't bring people into accountability and look to other believers and say, hey, this isn't right, or, or that we don't get active in um, things in our community and say, this is not what God desires. But it is to say that sometimes we hunt for other people's sins to ignore our own. And Jesus provides the ultimate rest in that, to be honest with God and honest with ourselves. The second one is this. We have to rest from striving and proving ourselves with our works. We are constantly looking for approval. I struggle with this myself, right? You, you want to make other people like you. You want other people to be happy. Many times, and, and, and I believe we talked about this last week, that it's okay to say no. Many times the reason we don't say no is because we think if I say no this one time, if I let this person down, if I don't do this thing, they're not going to like me. They're going to think I'm lazy. They're going to think I'm not doing my part in the team. And so we're constantly looking for approval. Now, here's the thing. If you're a Christian in Christ, you already have his approval. We just forget. And so what we do is we try to find approval from other people and other things. And I want you to think about this idea with sleeping, okay? Uh, when you're really tired, you can fall asleep anywhere. But normally it helps to fall asleep and to rest on something that's staying still. 
right? If you're, if, you, if you're laying your head on your pillow and someone constantly comes and pulls it out and moves it to another part of the house and you've got to follow them around to get to that space, uh, you're not going to rest very well because what you're resting on is moving. And here's the idea. Uh, if you're resting on your accomplishments, Right now, things are okay, but they could shift, right? If, you're, if your approval, if your self-worth comes from your accomplishments at work, that's great, you've done well. But we all know that within one phone call or one week or one day or one, you know, one company buying another company, that can be pulled away from us. A bad week of sales, a bad year of sales, that thing that we rested on could easily be moved. And when it's moved, we don't have rest. Maybe it's, it's people, right, and relationships. And the reality is people can leave, people can walk out, people can reject us, people can change their minds. And so if our rest is in the performance of our kids who will make mistakes, if our rest is in the approval from this group of people, they will change their opinion. And so what we're resting on is constantly changing and moving. And so Christ reminds us that the only thing that we can rest in truly is Him because He does not change. Last thing I want to ask you is, who do you really trust to take care of you? And the way that you can answer that question is at night when you lay down to sleep, not the times when you're just super exhausted, but but on average, when you lay down, are you really able to rest? Or is your mind constantly racing? Now, if it is, I don't want you to feel guilty, but I want you to turn that concern into prayer and talk to God about it. John Wesley, who you may have heard of, is, is known as kind of this religious uh, or, or, or pastor or Christian, just amazing hero of the faith. And when he left Oxford, he wanted to become a chaplain to prisoners. He would pray six times a day. So he was really trying with that effort thing, but he didn't have any peace in his heart, praying six times a day, no peace. And one night he was on a boat and it was sailing from England to America. And there was this incredible storm and they thought for sure the boat was going to sink and there was other Christians on the boat. And during the storm, when everybody was trying to do everything they could to, to, keep, to stay alive, he said there was this group of Christians he watched that had this incredible peace. They didn't stop working. They were working to do everything they could to get the boat to stay. They were doing their part, but there was a peace about them where they were not terrified to die. They were actually, they had peace and yet they were still doing what they needed to do. And he realized they didn't have a fear of death. They were kind to each other. Think about it, a crisis moment. And you think, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You would be pushing and shoving. No, these people were kind and peaceful and loving. And he realized at that very moment, I do not know God like that. And so maybe you feel like your life is, 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 is a ship in a storm right now, and you don't have that kind of peace, and you're anxious. The only one who can give you that peace is Jesus Christ. Not, not some book, not some pastor, not some relationship, not some status, not some accomplishment. Those things all move and change who you are in Jesus Christ. The peace that passes all understanding the peace that King David had where he could sleep knowing there was an army outside his door, that peace is available to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Sabbath rest, not only for practical reasons, for our bodies and minds, but also for our hearts, our souls, that we would rest from trying to hide our sin from you and judge others, 
and not deal with our own issues or that we would, we would stop resting in the approval of people or accomplishments. Those things are constantly moving and waking us up, but to rest and rest deeply in you and your finished work on the cross. If anybody today has not made Jesus Lord of their life, I pray that they would. And I thank you for all these things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. God bless you and thank you for joining us for Church Online.